Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Sandra Dean, we do it Monday through Friday. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. Sandra Dean coming to us from Roger Mills County, Oklahoma, just a mother and a grandmother. That's all her credentials need to be. How are you? That's right. I'm par- I'm really blessed today. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, you are really blessed today because um, for those that may not know Texas, Oklahoma, this is major showing season for livestock exhibitors. Yes. Sandra, I got a note last night that a spot barrow that we had sold in the Brazos County, Texas, was reserve champion spot. And I bring that up not to be braggadocious. That's what your day looks like ahead for you. You get to go watch a granddaughter showing a lamb. Yes, yes. Wiley, Texas. Yep. It's it's a, a lot of fun to be part of all that. Yeah. It's fun, frustrating, and um, educational. How about exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah. As a parent, you know, I mean, sometimes it's not, it's very frustrating, but as a grandparent, you're just glad to be there. <laughs> oh yeah. Grandpa and grandma just show up in exactly. the chair along the side and say, that's, that's our granddaughter. Exactly. <laughs> so actually we didn't have you on here to talk about youth development programs. You have been quite busy lately and uh, bringing Oklahoma to the forefront of the challenge of 30 by 30. For those that may not know, I can't believe my listeners would not know, but here's what we're going to do anyway. Sandra is on January the 21st, uh, no, excuse me, January 27th, 2021. Joe Biden signs executive order 14008, 57 pages long. And in that 57 pages, there are two paragraphs that everybody should be quite concerned about. In fact, you should be concerned about all 57 pages because if you read the whole thing, like I did, took me an hour and a half. That's how good of a reader I am. Took me an hour and a half. It said that we are going to eliminate petroleum from the future of the fuel. That that should be concerning enough. But within... That 57-page report, there are two paragraphs talking about 30 by 30, and that is that by 2030, 30% of the land and water shall be returned to its natural state. Now, we've made major, major progress, and to the point where from 1900, it required 10 acres of land to produce enough food to feed one person for a year. In 2022, it took less than a third of an acre And we did that through technology and improved soil health and improved labor and improved water absorption, everything. And now all of a sudden we want to rewild America. How does this set with you, Sandra? Not very well. Um, My family homesteaded in Roger Mills County. I have a, I have a lot of deep roots and that, uh, that makes me kind of mad. So that's where I started all this, you know, two years ago before even Biden uh, declared that, but since he declared that in January, it's like caught fire. Like, you know, you've been talking about it for a long time, but Biden just kind of brought it all out. And here it is. And people are awake. Sandra, I don't think people often realize they hear stories about the Dutch farmers and the Dutch farmers are protesting and these European farmers are protesting. Nobody ties the dots. 
connects the dots because connecting the dots, the Dutch farmers and the Dutch government is just ahead of what Biden's been doing in terms of bringing 30 by 30. And they're literally told the Dutch farmers, 30% of your animals, 30% of your land is going to go out of, out of food production. It's not just a Biden initiative. It comes from the United Nations. Well, we that's gotta, true. We got to fix it locally. Exactly. But people think it can't happen here. Right. You know, this generation hadn't had hard times like my, you know, in the past generations had, had suffered, you know, so people don't get, you know, too involved in it. They can't, they just don't think it'll happen to them. We should probably also let people know Roger Mills County is in Western, the Western third of Oklahoma. Yes, sir. Yes. We're, uh, we're in God's country. When it rains. Yeah, when it rains, we we are in a drought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that you know that just doesn't help the situation either because then people get tempted with the conservation easement and they know inputs are high and, and banks are crashing and well, I better just take this payment. It and there's always this word perpetuity tied to it. Sandra, instead of me continuing to ramble on because I'm here every day, what what? first alerted you to the dangers of land use, not necessarily 30 by 30, but land use and losing control of our own property? Well, I've always been uh, concerned about Western Oklahoma not having a voice in the game, you know, because of Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And then um, Andrea Hutchison had a meeting in Visa, which is Dewey County, which is not just right next to Roger Mills. And and um, Angel Cushing came down and really brought an eye-opening, you know, I didn't get to attend the meeting, but I listened online. And and it was like, wow, this is just really real. And so I just scheduled to have a meeting in Beckham County. And um, it just kind of went from there. And so uh, we've had two meetings with over 100 people there. So people are contacting us all over the state wanting us to come talk about it. So, yeah, people are getting fired up. Were you engaged in land use issues like this prior to that? Or has it just been in the last two years? No, just the last few years. Um, two years ago, I started a, a uh, Facebook page just to educate people on what was going on in their counties in western Oklahoma. I just had this passion of wanting people to understand they had a voice. Mm-hmm. in land issues or, you know, anything that concerned their property rights. And so we've been just kind of moving along in the last two years, but now it's just kind of taken off and, and there's a lot of people reaching out. Um, so it's just God's timing, you know. Um, it, he, it is always God's timing. It, it just, he puts these passions in front of you and then you might think, well, what am I doing, you know? And then here two years later, Wow. It's just his timing, like I said. Well, anybody who knows Andrea Hutchison, they never once echoed the sentiment that we don't have a voice. That power well, chick has a voice. That she does. And, and you know, she's, uh, I'm very blessed to be her friend and um, wanting to help her continue her. Well, she's been working for a long time. You know that. Oh, absolutely. You, have, you know, and it's just now. She's waited a long time for this to come to fruition and um, see some advancement on waking people up. You know, there, I, I think you just nailed it. This is the most important part of this battle because Andrea is a great example. She's been yelling for a long time. 
Yes. And, and we think that there should be a silver bullet and we're going to say something. We're going to, sh- we're going to spread the truth and it's automatically going to take effect and it's going to fix all these things. That's not how it works. No. You have, you, I had a friend of mine tell me back before we had uh, additional scrutiny in the medical field, a friend told me that a, a proven technology will take 17 years to find its way into the medical community. 17 years. To fight for something that is documented to improve human lives. So you have to be resilient. Exactly. That's what we are in Oklahoma. We're resilient. You know, we made it through the dust bowl and all that. And so, yeah, that's bred in me to be resilient. In fact, uh-huh. uh, let me do a little math quick. You said that your folks had to live through the dust, the heart of the dust bowl. My grandparents, yes, I've heard my grandmother tell about stories about the dust bowl, yeah, where they had to, like before they eat, they would put their bowls face down so the dust wouldn't get in the bowls before they put the food in the bowl, you know. Mm -hmm. So those were, that was her parents that um, homesteaded in Roger Mills County. So where did they come from? Texas. They came up from Texas, yeah. I didn't know anybody ever left Texas to go to Oklahoma. (laughs) I know. (laughs) They did. I don't know why, but they came up with people that are still around here that, you know, we have mutual families that came up with my family from Texas. And what year would that have been? Oh, golly. Um, Man, I don't even know that. That's a good question. It would have to be before the land. I mean, right around that time. that The land rush. they homesteaded, yeah. They homesteaded, yeah. I bet they came for the. I bet they left Texas to come to Oklahoma for the Oklahoma land rush. Probably did, yes. Because mm-hmm. I mean, just a little strange. Oklahoma, different than other Great Plains states, did not become a state till 1907. I find that exactly interesting. And it's it's you know my grand my great grandmother homesteaded 160 acres, and my great grandfather homesteaded 160 acres. So they weren't married at that time. Oh, wow. So, yeah. We have to go to a break. Talk about some deep roots in rural Oklahoma. Sandra Dean, I guess, roll out. Lignite Energy provides a reliable source of electricity. Lignite is a form of coal. We have 800 years of coal left, and we have people willing to work in the coal fields, getting to the seams of coal and then getting them to the plant, generating electricity, putting them in the transfer lines, and turning your lights on. It's time we turn the lights on for everybody in this nation and get back to one of the resources that God gave us to keep lights on. And we don't have to carry five-gallon buckets of water in the house. By the way, where are you going to get the water if you don't have electricity? Just asking. Lignite.com for full details. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Luce alongside Sandra Dean joining us from Roger Mills County, Oklahoma. She has been in the trenches visiting with county commissioners, county sheriffs, elected officials. And, uh, we talked to about 30 by 30, but you also have another land grab initiative taking place in Oklahoma that actually kind of tears me up. Tell us about the, the Chisholm Trail designation. Well, in um, January of this year, Ron Estes from Kansas uh, sponsored a bill to nationalize the Chisholm and Great Western Trail. 
and put it under the net, you know, the park system. So um, that, that really is um, disturbing to landowners along the trail. So we're having a meetings, you know, uh, to try to educate them to push back uh, from this bill. So people don't know this kind of stuff. They have to, you know, and so learn. make sure you turn your phone off before you start your broadcast, Trent, which I didn't do. Um, so we love the Chisholm Trail. Why wouldn't this be a good idea, Sandra? Well, I'm, like I said, my parent, my grandparents, great grandparents homesteaded. I'm, I'm as proud of my heritage and history as anybody. But when you start talking about people's property and putting it under government control, that, you know, um, to the government to tell you when you can put a fence on your property or, control your water or anything like that. I mean, this is scary times for people. I mean, it's just a continual assault. We started talking about 30 by 30. Obviously you uh, have already mentioned the champion of bringing awareness to a national heritage area designation by Congress, which eliminates your opportunity to use your land as you see fit. And then you have somebody coming along in a wonderful sentiment, part of the United States history that I absolutely love learning more about, which is the Chisholm Trail, which wasn't just about a, a bunch of 14-year-old kids in Texas trailing cattle to Abilene, Kansas. It was all about reconnecting the North and the South post-Civil War. And they use all of these little tidbits of destruction, destruction of, pro- of our property rights to incrementally take them away. Yes. And it, and it all goes even back to the UN, like you were talking about. I know that um, Andrea's talked about the UN and, and different people being on their property already without even being nationalized. So just think what would happen if they did make it in the national park system. People would just think they can come unload their horse and ride through their pastures and with their cattle and stuff. It's just not, it's just not fair and right, you know, to, to allow that to happen. And, and- I said earlier that I was torn up about it because my dear friend, the late Chick Bishop, was one of the individuals instrumental in getting those markers set. And he was so proud of that because he wanted people to understand what the Chisholm Trail meant. And in no way, shape or form, the Chick Bishop endorsed losing an ounce of property rights. So it's emotional for me because I understood the the original purpose and it's completely hijacked. I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's markers all, all down the trails and I'm proud that we've done that. You know, people have, a lot of people spent their whole lives studying that and putting those out. So yeah, we don't want to take away from them at all, but you know, this is a different world we're living in now. And, um, and, and the so federal where, do you, government reach. where do you feel that stands today? Where what stands? their momentum in getting this accomplished from a national designation? Well, it's in, it's in committee that everybody said it's not, it's, it's an active bill. So that's, what's concerning. They can attach it to anything. You know how that is and hide it anywhere. So that's, what's concerning. So we're just educating people. So they'll contact their representatives and push back and say, Hey, we don't want this. We, um, as a state, you know, our state senators and as a U.S. congressman. So that's and I just, what we I want to be clear, Sandra, this is in, not in, in Oklahoma City. This is in front of the U.S. House and in committee now. 
Yes, it's in the U.S. Congress right now. Mm-hmm. H.R. two four seven. And have you reached out to your representative and, and visited with your views about this? Yes, uh huh. Frank Lucas is my representative, my uh, congressman. I've had several discussions with him. Yes, and I actually looked on his government website today, and yesterday he put out a press release that he will not be signing on. He had sponsored the trails and um, bill for the national parks for the four times. And he did a press release that he won't be doing that anymore. He's going to push back from Ron Estes's bill. And so I'm, I'm proud that at least our voices, he's heard our voices. So, you know, Pushing back is great. So that's what we need to continue to do as Oklahomans is to have a voice and say, hey, no, we don't want this. Until they listen to us, we're going to still keep talking to them. And even further, just because he did that doesn't mean that's done. You know, you need to continue the effort, not just put out a press release, you know. Right. Absolutely. It's easy to make a campaign promise then people don't ever go and follow up on the voting record to see if they actually vote the way they vote, uh, they campaign. Because often that doesn't happen. You have to be accountable. You have to be a diligent citizen to make sure they follow through what they told you they're going to do. That's right. Exactly. So that's what we'll do. You know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lucas is Congressman Lucas has got our message. And so we're just going to hold him accountable to follow through. Uh, you mentioned something that's just a real burr under my saddle, and that is, you're exactly right. What will happen is this will not get through committee because there will be enough people such as yourself that, that raise a stink and let people know that we don't like this is against the intent of what was going to happen to begin with. And then when nobody's paying attention and the last minute before somebody's ready to throw some big bill through like the inflation reduction act they'll attach exactly. they'll attach this on there and it'll it'll happen anyway without the the due process of how the whole system was structured to be and and it's really emotional for me because that's like the third time I told you you're bringing out emotions in me Sandra Dean but <laughs> you know right now I assume you know this Oakland I just learned it two weeks ago so I share it like I really do know it Oklahoma has more live more weeks of live horse racing than any other state. You start March first and you run through the end of the year. No other state wow. has that many horse races. Well, starting on Monday, March twenty seventh, there's a new level of scrutiny coming to horse racing across this country, and that is something called the HISA Act, Horse Racing In- Integrity Safety Act that did not go through committee, did not do anything else. In the last minute of the omnibus bill, Mitch McConnell attaches this thing, and now racetracks all across the United States are going to be forced to spend $72 million additional dollars testing horses, putting in place. It limits how many times a jockey can hit the horse with the with a whip. I mean, are oh, you really? serious? You gotta be, uh, legislate this from Washington, D.C. But to your point, Sandra, they didn't discuss it, have this uh, debate and have people with the experts give opinion. No, last minute in December, I think it was December 27th, Mitch McConnell attaches it. Nobody throws a fit. Boom. It's through. It's done. 
That has to stop that type of approach. And this will, we have to make sure that doesn't happen with this as well. Oh yes, for sure. So I, you know, I'm, like I said, you said at the beginning, um, I'm just a mom and a grandma, but we'll find a way to push back against it. Well, I did that on purpose and I'm going to tell this story in the last minute of this segment. Sandra, you were reluctant to join me because you said I'm just a mom and a grandma. I'm telling you, the moms, the grandmas, the people that have been there, the people that are resilient, nobody's more resilient than a mom and a grandma. (laughs) That's who we need to hear from. And that's exactly why I said, no, you're going to be here. Well, I appreciate that. So, And and I want to go ahead. We appreciate you, you know, for all the work you've done all these years, you know. Yeah, but look, you've already mentioned Angel Cushing. Uh, Sandra Dean and Andrew Hutchison. I'm just a dude trying to keep up with the power chips. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back in the second half. Roll out. Okay. I know that each one of us, we just want to go about our daily lives, work hard. Well, most people want to work hard and then just not engage in politics or anything else. But the truth of the matter is, in today's world, to maintain this free and fed America that we have, we have to take a stand. We have to be willing to arm ourselves with information and then show up at meetings and make sure that people understand what it is that we think is important. We have a classic example here today with Sandra Dean and everything that Andrew, Angel Cushing, Andrew Hutchison have been doing. And they all have ties and rely on information from Protect the Harvest. The documentary of Joy Carter, the pig farmer from North Carolina, who they put out of business for no reason whatsoever other than greed and handouts. You need to watch that, and you can get more details about the true story of Joy Carter and why Protect the Harvest is so important in maintaining a free and fed America. It doesn't just happen. We have to make it happen. Protecttheharvest.com Welcome back, Trent Luce, alongside Sandra Dean, joining us from Roger Mills County, Oklahoma. Um, Sandra, we talked about 30 by 30. We talked about the trails. Uh, you have been busy in multiple counties. What's been going on with that and what kind of success have you had? Well, um, Linda Murphy is my friend. and um, Oh, great. Another power chick I got to try to keep up with. That's right. She is a power chick for sure. Um, she's been in Oklahoma politics for a long time. She's my sidekick and she keeps me kind of lined out. And, um, so it's, we, we work good together and we've had two meetings in, like I said, in Elk City and even my own county commissioners, uh, have asked us to come over. They've already signed their declaration, but they are wanting us to, they're wanting more information on 30 by 30. So I thought that was very, just to be clear, they they signed a resolution, right? Yes, they've signed. Okay. okay, Yeah, they've signed. So we have four. So our effort in um, following along what Margaret Byfield says in the American stewards is to protect each County can protect itself. And so if you can educate your people in the counties and get your county commissioners to understand, which they don't, you know, we're all learning this. It's not, uh, it's kind of new for everybody. But if, 
each county can protect themselves by signing a 30 by 30 resolution. So that is our endeavor along with, you know, pushing back from the trails bill. We have got four counties that have signed their resolution to protect the citizens of their counties, which I'm really excited about. Western Oklahoma, yay, has started this. So we're hoping it moves all over the state in our 77 counties. We have Dewey, who was the first. That's where Andrea was, Dewey County. Then Roger Mills was my county. And now we have Washita and Custer County. So that's those are all in Western Oklahoma. But we are going to go to Enid and everybody we're reaching out to people are reaching out to us and that's what we want it to happen we want people to educate themselves reach out to their county commissioners and all this to happen organically you know for people to understand what's going on i'm going to come back to the word we used in the first segment and that is resilience <clears throat> because Angel Cushing, who's just a champion. She just, she's a bulldog champion, love her to death. She organized a series of meetings in Nebraska and Kansas on the National Heritage Area. Uh, and we could talk about what that means later in a moment. But I want to talk about a meeting that we had in Republic County, Kansas. We had a good crowd. We had over a hundred. You're talking about a hundred. We had a good crowd. People showed up and we talked about the National Heritage Area and I talked about 30 by 30 because this would have been April of 2021, just three months after Biden signs 30 by 30. And we had, I maybe shouldn't say this, but we had two of the county commissioners there present. And I say we shouldn't say it because I think they actually had a quorum. Uh, and they were in full support. I mean, they, they understood the challenges and they said, well, you know, we, we want to be a part of the solution. They now, I don't believe Republican County, I'd have to ask Angel if they ever adopted and signed a resolution or not. And the biggest challenge, Sandra, is that people are like, oh, 30 by 30 can't happen here. And you've said that already. But 30 by 30 has been happening since the seventies and, and it comes in different forms. It's not, they don't have a 30 by 30 rollout plan. It's acquiring 30% of the land and the water, which, by the way, the federal government, in cooperation with the state governments, already owns 33% of the total U.S. landmass. So they want an additional 30% under their control. So we're actually talking about 63% of the U.S. landmass, not 30%. But the same county commissioners who had agreed that night that we were in Republic County, Kansas, that this is a bad idea, we don't want this kind of control, just in the last six months, signed on and permitted a wind development project in this county, which is accomplishing the whole 30 by 30 premise. It's taking land out of food production and removing the individual rights of the local landowners. And it all happened because the wind developer came in there with a bunch of money. And by the way, this wind development system is on the land of one of those county commissioners you have to remain vigilant because even people who on the surface say, well, this is a good idea. We're going to sign a resolution. At the end of the day, somebody comes with a big check and their their spine disappears. That's what exactly. we're up against. That's exactly right. You know, money is the root of all evil. And um, that's happening in Enid. I think there is, the, um, I'll listen to a county commission, I mean, a city commission meeting that they're wanting to put a big solar farm somewhere around Enid. 
And so they're trying to educate the county commissioners and the city officials on that. So, yeah, it's everywhere. It 30 by 30 doesn't, it's just has so many arms that you can't hardly keep up with it. That's why we need people like you to help mm-hmm. educate. And, well, no, you're, you're doing the work. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just giving you a platform. Uh, but, and here's the push. I, I fully researched this. I know the push. There's billions of dollars allocated to what they're calling green energy, which is not green in any way, shape, or form. It's black energy. I can explain that later. But the Inflation Reduction Act designated, I, I get, get to know, I think it was $60 million, that would be available to people who develop clean energy, green energy, but it has to be in construction by January 1st of 2025. So the big push right now for wind and solar is to tap into this federal money that's coming in. And so that's the whole premise. And by the way, if if you drive from Kansas to Texas through your country like I just did, wind development's not a new thing. We know that. Exactly. But I got a friend who got a grant to put this beautiful solar place, not removing any food production. It's at his farm, at his home. This great big solar panel. And I said, well, I guess you're set when the EMP comes and we don't have a electric from our power grid. He said, no, not at all. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we can't afford the battery that it takes to store the solar. The battery costs $70,000. And they say that, that it'll last a year. Oh, wow. So I'm like, well, what's the purpose? There is no purpose. He's taking the solar and feeding it into the grid, maybe gets a reduction in his electricity cost. It's just a big joke. And people just continue to line up saying, where's mine? Here's my handout. Give me one. Yeah, exactly. And and what you're talking about, the the, um, Inflation Reduction Act, they've also put more money to offer these farmers for um, conservation easements and CRP land. So they're going to come after and say, Hey, do this because we're going to pay you more money. And they've also changed the language in the conservation easements. So farmers won't really understand what they're signing. They, they think going to be thinking they're going to sign in the same thing when the wording has changed, perpetuity, all that's, you know, I, I don't know ex- the specific wording, but, um, the American stewards put a, briefing out, I think February 13th, which I'm going to hand out to people at our next meeting about be careful of all these CRP conservation easements and all that, that you got to pay attention to what you're signing. Just so happens, Sandra, that I have this little tidbit pulled up here and had it ready because a U.S. representative, Mark Pokin from Wisconsin is championing this and of the inflation Redu- inflation reduction act 370 billion will be designated I said billion 370 billion will be designated for advancing conservation easement programs that will help expand access to other voluntary conservation programs as well as almost 14 billion in clean energy to help farmers, this is where it just, it just really gets my goat, to help farmers increase biodiversity, forest, and uh, and sequester carbon. That's what we do. 
We, yeah. we sequester carbon. We put the carbon by growing stuff back in the soil so that the cycle of life can continue. And here they're going to designate $370 billion to help farmers do what we already do, only to say, here, here's your check. Oh, and now, by the way, you're the peasant. We tell you what to do with your land. Exactly. Farmers and ranchers have been taking care of the land and their livestock for a long, you know, forever, uh, generations. And then you get the government involved. They don't, they just need fair prices. You need the cattle prices need to be fair. You know, the packers are making all the money. Um, we just need fair prices. We can take care of ourselves if we can get a fair market for our goods in our cattle, <clears throat> you know. So you have four counties in Oklahoma that have currently signed resolutions. Is that a true statement? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, you know, we're educating the people. We're not trying to, you know, we're educating the people in each county. Then they reach out to their county commissioners. And, you know, then, mm-hmm. you know, I've had, I've had um, four or five county commissioners reach out to me for sample templates that are on the American Stewards of Liberty website. So I know there's more interest growing, so they just need to get more people involved in each county to um, tell them what they, you know, that they want this also. I I told you this yesterday, and I'm going to throw it out there just as a little challenge, because um, in April of 2021, two full years ago, uh, I and Margaret Byfield did have a meeting in Payne County, Oklahoma. We actually had meetings in seven states in that 30-day period. And I was shocked to know that the the least, and maybe we just did a poor job uh, promoting it, but the least interest shown in any of the seven states was that meeting that we had in Stillwater. And I just could not believe it because Payne County has been the, like the tip of the spear for all the Chinese investment of farmland. I thought sure people would show up, but kudos to you for rekindling that flame that needed to be brought back. You and Angel Cushing, Angel's the champion. Yes, for sure. And Andrea, yeah. yeah. And Andrea, yeah. not leaving Andrea out of anything. No, we don't need to leave her out, yeah. Roll so. out. One more segment. We'll be back after this. Right off the bat today, let's talk about beef and in particular certified Piedmontese. That's the opportunity the cattlemen have to get closer to the consumer's food dollar. You know, Nebraska, my home state, truly is the beef state. Sorry, Oklahoma, you just don't have the numbers that we have. Well, we have the land and the numbers and the corn. But what we also have is a certified Piedmontese system that gives the consumer a tender beef eating experience. And while I talked about having corn... This is a grass-fed product, and as much as I thought I would never say a grass-fed product is good, it is. It's outstanding. That prime rib, if you've not seen the video of that prime rib that I had in Denver at the National Western, a certified Piedmontese, you don't. Well, you probably ought not see it unless you have some accessible because it will make you hungry. The protein plethora can be found on the web www.certifiedpiedmontese.com. It goes beyond beef, actually, but they're all animal protein. Certifiedpiedmontese.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis, alongside Sandra Dean, joining us from Roger Mills County. Uh, who was Roger Mills? I don't know. That's a good question. You've I grown need to up research in, that. You, you've grown up in Roger Mills County and you never asked the question who was Roger Mills? No, no, I, I'm sorry. I'll, 
I'll let you know. I'll, I'll do some. You research. have homework assignment, and you're going to be back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because okay. I mean, I live in Sherman County, Nebraska, and naturally, it's named after Sherman. And I live next to Custer County, Nebraska, which is named after a guy named Custer who died in Montana. Uh, I just, it's a unique situation where it's Roger Mills. There's got to be a Roger Mills involved here. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. That's embarrassing. I don't know that. Where is Will Rogers County? Oh, I think that's over in Claire Moore's. (laughs) But it's not named Will Rogers County. No, no, no. <laughs> County was already named before Will Rogers came on. I got everything else named after Will Rogers. We right. didn't need to name a county after him too. Exactly. Uh, when you're, let's, let's say you're traveling in Arizona and people, you run into somebody and they don't know much about Oklahoma. What are you most proud about in Oklahoma? Oh, wow. Um, our diversity, um, our farmers and ranchers. I mean, we are, one of the reddest states in the U.S., you know, in America, barely, you know, barely. We're hanging on. And that's another reason, you know, we got to fight to keep, we got people moving in from everywhere. So we got to fight to keep our values. Our values, are our roots run deep in Oklahoma, you know. So, I mean, if it hadn't been for the, um, the oil and the uh, production of energy, my family wouldn't be in Western Oklahoma. All those, I mean, it would be owned by corporations because they wouldn't have had the money to continue to stay in their, on their farms if it hadn't been for energy production. Speaking of Linda Murphy and um, Oklahoma continues to kind of stay on the cutting edge of standing up for the best education we can give kids. Yes. Why is Oklahoma kind of a leader in that regard? And because we have been as far as I know. Yeah. We have people like Linda Murphy that, you know, push back against that common core. And um, there's a lot of um, homeschoolers that we have a strong homeschool association and um, they just bring it out to um, fight for what they believe in. You know, I think that's what Oklahomans do. We fight for what we believe in. We don't want anybody pushing us around. So I don't know. Yeah. And it's interesting. You mentioned it's a red state. Politically, it continues to be a red state. And what's most interesting to me about that is that we know that historically tribal members are more of a, a Democrat persuasion. Yes. And yet in Oklahoma, I, I get there enough. I know that you have many traditionally tribal member Democrats who just are fed up with what's happening and saying, we're going to do what's best. I don't care whether it's red or blue or whatever the case may be. Yes. True. Yeah. I think, um, I think everybody realizes what we have in Oklahoma and that we're blessed and we want to keep it that way. Have you spent much time at the state legislature? No, I haven't. No. Like I said, I really never want to be involved in politics because, you know, Never did interest me. Um, I, I guess that's really the, our only avenue to get anything done, but I wasn't real happy with the GOP when I started my, uh, webs, my Facebook page two years ago. So, um, I think we have to, um, hold everybody accountable, especially the Republicans. 
I'm actually yeah. less concerned about Democrats. Everybody always wants to blame the Democrat, blame a Democrat. I think they're doing exactly what they said they're going to do. Exactly. The Republicans that, that are pretending to be Republican are not conservative in any way, shape, or form. That's our challenge. Exactly. I agree. And we have to hold our feet to the fire. But it takes everybody in the state. You know, mm-hmm. like we defeated that, uh, Oklahoma defeated the marijuana bill recently. I was shocked. But we all came together because we realized, you know, this medical marijuana is causing enough problems. Boy, it is. We we don't need to legalize the whole thing, you know. And I was really proud that everybody got out and voted. Well, there's one there's one segment of Oklahoma that enjoys mar- medical marijuana, and that are the, the people that sells billboard advertising. <laughs> yeah. My goodness, Oklahoma's just become smattered with marijuana billboards. Exactly. Yep. I think the people in Oklahoma City might be getting tired of all the shops around every block, too, you know. Um, I don't, in the first medical marijuana bill, I think uh, there was only Oklahoma County and Tulsa County is the ones that passed that. Mm -hmm. The rest of the state didn't want it. And so then they get tired of seeing all these shops around on every corner. And maybe that's why the legal marijuana didn't pass. I don't know. You said something early on, Sandra, that I want to come back to. And then I want to go back to 30 by 30 and finish up. Western, every state has that rural part that feels like they're isolated from the rest of the state. Oklahoma, clearly it's, it's Western Oklahoma. Um, what are the steps you feel necessary to, to have that voice heard in a louder way? Well, you know, Western Oklahoma people are hardworking people. They mind their own business. They trust our, you know, they've, we've trusted our legislators and our government officials to take care of us. And um, now it's time where we don't have that luxury anymore. We, we have to educate ourselves and push back because nobody else is going to take care of us but us. So we have to be educated and get involved. Nobody wants to be involved politically. But I don't think it's kind of like, you know, you've got to either choose one side or the other. Mm-hmm. There's no no middle ground anymore. Like you're either for it or you're against it, you know, kind of like in the Bible, it says, if you're lukewarm, God's going to spit you out of his mouth. Well, that's kind of where we are politically now in the state is you're either right or you're left. You know, you can't just ride the middle of the fence anymore. So people need to be educated saying, hey, we have got to make a difference and stand up. That Senator Casey Murdoch, is he riding the fence? No, no, he's not riding the fence. <laughs> in fact, I wonder he, why he had holes in his jeans. He's just trying to be trendy. He didn't snag him calling over a barbed wire fence. Yeah. No, Casey, Casey's awesome. He's my senator. Oh, um, nice. Roger Mills County just uh, was blessed with his uh, being his our senator um, this last legislative session. So we're proud. He's uh, he introduced a house bill to help protect. Uh, 30 by 30. It was uh, Senate Bill 980. Didn't make it out of committee, but it's going to be reintroduced again. So we're hoping that when we get all these um, counties signing their resolutions, that's going to help support the bills that he's going to move forward in protecting us as a state in the 30 by 30. 
You uh, you mentioned Enid a couple of times, but you have a meeting coming up next week. And Enid, do you want to tell us about that? Yes, um, March the 28th, we're having a meeting at um, the Autry Technical Center in Enid, Oklahoma, March 28th at 6 o'clock. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the trails, and um, Angel's going to be there. So it's always uh, great information she has, and um, hope to see everybody there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enid, for those that may not be the student of the Chisholm Trail, Enid was right in the dead center heat of yeah, that Chisholm right, Trail. Right through the middle. Yeah. So where do you see this, your your quest to get more counties? Are you going to focus on uh, western third of Oklahoma and get as many resolutions as you can? Or what, what do you see going here? No, we're, we're moving across the state. I mean, I think we've got enough momentum that if people want us to come, I mean, this isn't a paid position. This is just passion. You know, we, uh, our efforts are just for wanting to educate people. We don't get paid to do this. It's not, um, something that we profit from or anything like that. This is just, this is just our love of Oklahoma and wanting to protect us as, you know, as a 10th amendment states, you know, we have our own sovereign um, constitutional amendment that as a state, we are sovereign. So people need to understand that we can push back against the federal government, but we have to work together to do that. So, I would, my goal is to get all 77 counties, you know, so I guess we'll see how that works out. But Well, you know, one thing that I want to help with is that uh, your governor, Kevin Stitt, I think embodies more of what you just said than any other governor in the nation. And that is, we want to be a sovereign state. And I can say that pretty clearly because I had him on the air when he was one of two, one of only two governors who told the federal government, no, I will not mandate my National Guard take the jab. They're going to make that choice on their own. And I was so proud of him for doing that. I got a hold of him, so I got to put you on the air. Kevin Stitt needs to be recognized more nationally, other than just in the state of Oklahoma, about how he believes in states' rights and that the people of the state are going to direct the future, not some cubicle dweller in Washington, D.C., Exactly. And he was also one of the governors that signed a, a letter to Biden against the 30 by 30. He was. Yes. Uh, I think there were 17. Was there 17? I don't I even believe. know. Yep. I knew he was one of them. Um, my governor at the time, no longer my governor, now my senator, Pete Ricketts, took the lead on that and became a real champion for bringing awareness to 30 by 30. Last 30 seconds, Sandra Dean, what do you want us to most know going home today? That we have a voice. We just have to use it, you know, um, be resilient. Like you said, don't, um, don't give up. You know, there's a lot of progress made because individuals have a passion and Sandra Dean just made the most important statement on this program. Maybe that's been made in 19 years. It isn't a paid position. It's a passion. And that's why these power chicks I was talking about, they're just doing it because they have the passion. Let that be infectious upon you to follow your passion in life. Thank you, Sandra. Look forward to meeting you. And good luck today at the Lamb Show. 
Oh, thank you. And let your granddaughter know you got a spot paid for next year to show at that county. Okay, cool. <laughs> for Standard D, Trey Loose, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route. And finally today, I want to remind you about Perotic Auction Services. Dan Perotic has got another land auction coming up in mid, right in the middle, central South Dakota. Murdo, do you know where Murdo's at? Yeah, it's, you know, south and west of Pier a little bit. Well, two miles east of Murdo, 2,305 acres will be selling on April the 12th. That's 1 o'clock. That should be central time right there. 1 o'clock central time. Go to perotiauction.com to get full details.